So, um, you know, one of the things that happens, Tom, is um, I we go through this continual process. Mm-hmm. The continual process is you come up with ideas. They are terrible to me. <laughs> and with the exception of the John Wayne episode, they uh, turn out to be fine. Right. <laughs> And sometimes even great. And as I was pointing out, we were, we, had, we were having this conversation earlier. You're, uh, you're no truck with dishonesty. Uh, you, you, uh, you don't go like, I don't like that idea. And you go like, wow, that's really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, in my own sort of um, no. defenseless way, it, it, it helps me work through the process yeah, more yeah, if yeah, I can yeah. just articulate it as I'm doing it. <laughs> now, that being said, I, you, yeah. you might actually have had a point here. We have never, we've, I don't know if we've, we've never, I, don't, I look back, we haven't done a specifically Sinatra episode yet. No. But we've done a lot of Sinatra movies by way of other things. Have we done a lot? I think we have. We've done a lot of sort of his bigger, you know, like sort of major hits for sure. We did a Rat Pack episode on Patreon. So right. that, that took us through Ocean's Eleven and Robin and the Seven Hoods. Right. Uh, there was also what... Um Ah shit! Ah shit! Shit! Ski shit! There was Bertie Lancaster. Right, there was from here to eternity. Here to eternity. Uh, here to maternity. Uh, other than the string, I can't think of, of any others we've done. Yeah, it seems, but that seems like a lot of the load of his work. <laughs> but now we're going to be talking about two more of his today. Yeah, and and so my initial complaint was, um, you know, it's sort of like this is something. This is was my complaint about the John Wayne episode. It's like. Let's run the gamut from A to B. It's sort of like, it's such a tiny, tiny slice of the pie. I didn't really understand it. Um, and it also was like, um, didn't strike me as particularly Sinatra-like, uh-huh. either one of them. I mean, we did that with Julie Andrews, too, but we, we, we sort of made a big deal out of doing that because we just wanted to avoid those musicals. Even though, even though I suggested that so I could finally get to watch those musicals. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, by the way, a, um, I was the best laid plans. Cards Against Humanity with well, with someone recently. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, that game is actually good if you put it away for over a year. Okay. Okay. Good. I hated that game because I, I overplayed the shit out of that. That was game. it. Yeah, and then someone moved. came over who had um, like four hundred cards. Oh. It's like uh, cats against ab- uh, uh, abdominal pains, or you know, like all these different sort of companies that make cards. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so somebody um, was, exploding kitten was talking about how expl- I was talking about how her mother had met the Von Trapp family, and I go, "What? Come again?" And apparently, uh. that was not only a book; it was a that was a real family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Oh, really? No, I, I did know that. That's one of the few things That's I do know about. Terrifying, that. actually. Yeah. That I mean, yeah. it's gross. Yeah, that that family existed. Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. Sorry. So, so they're like Doe Deering or whatever. Yeah, they're running through mm-hmm. the Alps. Mm-hmm. So a female deer. Yep. So, um, but but the thing with Sinatra is like, okay, there's this two year period, and it's like you can't say of Sinatra exactly what you could say of like Bogart. Like, there's 40 years of films because he stopped doing films in like 1980, pretty much. I think it was like the the first Deadly Sin or something like that with Faye Dunaway. Oh my! You know, and and maybe he had a cameo in Cannonball Run two after that. Oh, but, what are you talking about? He had the cameo. Let's call his what was movie, the point of the movie. Let's call his movie making years from like the mid 40s when he he's good with uh, Gene Kelly and like Take Me Off the Ball. Right. Uh, and right. anchors away um and then like the early 50s you know you have the the from here to turn and then i want to say this this the time period we're talking here is the part where he could name he could really sort of pick his poison as far as a movie goes right. but he hadn't got quite to rat pack level doing that 
Well, yeah, and, and then in the '60s he was doing these films. A film I really like is called um, "The Detective" from 1968. No, I've never seen that. Yeah, okay. he's done some really interesting films. Some so, came running. That was a good movie. Well, so then then we have the 1950s, and and I'm going to agree with you that he can start to make his calls here, and he did what what Dean Martin did later. So in in '58, Martin mm-hmm. you know had split from um, Jerry Lewis, and and uh-huh. and he'd done a movie with Susan Hayward, but he he really wanted to make like some serious films, like be a serious actor and be taken. And as such, too, yeah. and I think this is definitely that period for Sinatra right here, right? Well, I'm going to say D. Martin. I'm saying D. Martin first. D. Martin did um, the Young Lions, and then he did oh, some King Running with Sinatra. And it's like he gave up. Um, he was making 25 grand a week yeah. in, Vegas, <laughs> in Vegas, and he gave that up to make like 25 grand a film or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It was so important to him, and he was. I think. I think he was following Frank's lead because Frank, you know, classically in '53, you know, post suicide attempt, Ava Gardner, classic <coughs> Godfather story. Pardon me. Um, had done uh, from here to eternity. Yeah, but then he's making all these films, and so it's like at the end of the se- of, of that decade, he's making some came running, and he's making never so few, yeah. and it's almost like I, it was just at the cusp of like ah Rat Pack, Ocean's Eleven, that I think he just packed it in and was right. like, well, I gave it my shot, but he was like, he really wanted I'm gonna do the Adam Sandler Oscar worthy roles here, right? Yeah, Even yeah. Pal Joey, which yeah. I saw, I love a lot Pal later. Joey, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we haven't seen that. Okay, never mind. All right, that's what I'm saying. But 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 so you picked these two that were like. What I'm going to say about them is I think that they are clearly his attempts to be a serious or taken seriously actor. Right, right. And uh, and I guess the conversation then falls from there, what we're going to be talking about. Is, yeah. Is, is How successful one. was he? Let's put it that way. Yeah. In, in, in that particular endeavor. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think that's exactly what he was aiming for, certainly with the first one we're going to be talking about. Um, but, 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 but kind of with both of them really. And, and the second one, he actually did a, he, he had a lot to do with the production of actually getting it put on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Film. Yeah. Well, not stage. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I guess that's it. Do you want to talk about the first one? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, introduce it, sir. Well, uh, I think this is a, a delightful movie called man with the golden arm. I think it's 1954. Yeah, I think it's 1955, right? Um, Yeah, so Man with the Golden Arm. And uh, so, uh, yeah, this is definitely... An attempt now. For, now, for first, I've got to understand this is an Otto Preminger book. Otto uh, did his usual thing. He got a hold it's of the book, book. yeah, uh, uh, right. Otto Preminger movie, but he got a hold of the book, which had been uh, which had been like a bestseller, like a huge, uh, huge hit at the time. And he really he had he he played very fast and loose with the original book uh, to create Man with a Golden Arm. He made it um, about uh, it, the movie is about uh, a guy named Frankie Machine, played by Frank uh, Sinatra. Right, and uh, he is a uh, is a is a like a car dealer in Old Town Chicago, and most importantly, he's a junkie. And uh, this was now they never say heroin in the movie, never comes up, but that's a pretty obviously what the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so he comes back from having uh, taken the cure, if you will, in a prison uh, kind of like a prison reformatory slash medical sort of a setting. Comes back all cured and having recently learned how to play the drums and finding out that he has kind of a talent for it. So he wants to uh, go back uh, from where he's from, this uh, area of Chicago, east side, I guess. I'm not, no, I don't remember exactly. Um, and um, it sort of, sort of take up, uh, take up a life out in the civilian world as a jazz drummer. Bada ba. Yeah, I mean, it's got a, um, it, it's got the same feel as like Lillian Hellman's Dead End um, has, and there's a few others where it's like the return. Um, the reformed 
uh, criminal returned and and how how is he going to make it in the the atmosphere of his former life? Right, and it's almost I, I like the fact like from the first frame it's pretty obvious he's not going to. I I love Otto Preminger. I love Otto Preminger movies, but like his he's not he's a he t- he does semi moralistic tales at least semi moralistic. Uh, he does these tales, uh, and he's not what I would call a subtle stylist at all. Like, he kind of hammers he he has a point. He hammers that fucking thing home, and in this case, like Frank Sinatra doesn't get off a bus and like just go back to his old neighborhood. His old neighborhood is like Disneyland for junkies. Like immediately, just right, like right there. Everything has got neon on it. Everything is selling beer. Every 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 front of every uh, building in his old neighborhood should have the word vice in neon out front mm. or something like that. So so that's where he gets off, and you're, uh, you're immediately clued in the fact that he's probably not going to be successful in his endeavor to stay straight. Well, um, yeah, I mean, to me, the the I mean, it's, I, I think Otto Premier sometimes gets damn near impressionistic with this kind of thing. To me, what spells that out is is not the design so much as is the failure of the um, execution of the film. Okay. Um, but but it, what you said actually for a second made me think of Mer- American History X. Like, mm. I think that's Jonathan Demme who did that. So, do you feel when Edward Norton is returning to his? Well, he's not returning. He's coming back to a much um, uh, economically depressed area than he left right. um, as now a quote unquote kind of reformed, you know, neo-Nazi or something. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same way in that movie? Well, first off, it's been such a long time since I've seen that movie that I don't really have a, I don't really have much of in the way of an opinion on this thing. I, but I have to remember, I have to say, I don't remember it striking me as such. Maybe it would now. Me, meaning, I mean, I mean, in other words, like it, the stakes that a director or a writer or a combination puts out there in a film like this is, um, is it too much to put the stakes out there that as, as a story like I'm coming back to hell to try to be straight or is it, it the execution? I don't think it necessarily is, but I think there are some qualifications I would make in this case right here. First off, I would say I would say the execution of this movie. I, okay, first off, I like the movie overall. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cartoonish in a lot of ways. There's yeah. a lot of that going on yep. there. And I think the presentation of the neighborhood itself is part of that. Yep. Now, that being said... I don't think that was accidental because this thing got shit on by the American censorship, like the, by the censorship board, uh-huh. really, really hard. And they still had to sort of work it through there. So I think what, in order to get it through as a tale of a junkie, they had to up the morality angle of it a little bit and the corrupting influence of this environment. Like they had to up the ante on that part of it yeah. to be able to sell it and get it to be watched by an American audience. Yeah. I mean, the problem it's, I mean, you kind of alluded to the cartoonish nature. The problem for me is that, um, it's so laughable as as a dangerous environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it every is, aspect it, of it, it is just really is, not yeah. dangerous at all. No, it's yeah. It's like the Bowery. It's like uh, there's a Bowery Boys quality to at least half of the people. Well, certainly, there's one character who's like f- they fell out of the Bowery Boys altogether. Yeah, like this almost comedy troupe approach to what a what a crime ridden area. It basically yeah, like a like some, somebody living in Iowa in 1955 thought the inner city of Chicago was like. That's what this was. Yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, one of the things is is I'm not sure. Okay, there's several there's several um, areas of friction that we're, we're supposed to um, go along for for the ride sure. here, and it's like um, one is that he's going to relapse into this addiction, but I'm completely unclear what the dangerous waters of addiction were for him here because. 
Um, the guy who plays the sort of the pusher yeah. in the area who, who um, most people will know him as the father from a Christmas story. Well, yep. Um, and by the way, he could have played the father Holy from shit, the Christmas story. Yeah, he could have played the father from the Christmas story in this, at this time, because <laughs> I've never ever seen anybody who's the same age, even Harry Morgan. Yeah. is yeah, a second yeah. close to this guy because he's basically the same age for like 40 years. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's the father from a Christmas story. He plays the mustachioed sort of well, you know, gentleman Jim the pusher. Yeah, of course, because that's and, what pushers are like. But it's like he waits. I've never seen a, a drug dealer like this. He just waits he, he, patiently for anyone to possibly come along. Yeah. And get five dollars with a smack. I have no idea how this guy would make any kind of living at all. Well, not only that, but he uh, spends most of the movie circling, uh, circling lazily around Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Like Sinatra's like the only person who ever did buy drugs from him or something. Like right, that. and even I get the idea that like you know the first one's free type thing, and then yeah. you're gonna cash in later. But it's still just one guy. Right. No drug dealer operates that no, way. No, couldn't possibly. And 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 losing a client like somebody who goes straight wouldn't bother him as much as it seems to bother this guy. Like he has to go out and. Pre- that he's a junkie. It's yeah. ah, there's so many there's so many things that are. Uh, I I want to point out the cop uh, yeah. who's uh, the cop who comes involved in this he's one from. Fucking! I it took me like half the movie. I'm yep. like, holy shit! He's from the uh, Sweet, Sweet Smell of Success. success. Yeah. He plays the awful, Two awful officer there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he still can't act. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> terrible here. He's fucking terrible. He's terrible here. Yeah, he's he terrible. don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. No, and but but he does. He, he's he's like a cop who's just bored shitless with the repetitive nature of having to bust junkies on a regular basis. Yeah, Robert Strauss is a sort of like kind of go between. Uh, you're not even sure how he functions as a as a criminal mastermind in this film, but you know he pressures he helps. Um, Gavin, what's his name from A Christmas Story, pressure Frank Sinatra into dealing, and I want to be clear when I say dealing, not dealing drugs, but dealing, dealing cards, because no one deals cards like I, this. What in the fuck and is there's that nothing that indicates, about? indicates what he's doing that's special as a card dealer, right. except that, you know, all of the hustler, um, you can get him wrapped up in like a 24-hour or yeah. a card game, which right. only doesn't serve them, it only serves our story. Right and, and obviously so. Right, because they're losing their. And Robert ass. Strauss, by the way, if, uh, he's he was in Bridges of Tuckerie, but most famously, what? Uh, Starlight Seventeen. Was he in Starlight Seventeen? Oh God, was he who I think he was? We're gonna grow ourselves a chicken. Oh God damn it, <laughs> Betty, Betty Grable. He didn't recognize anyone. Oh uh, no, he's, he's again sort of cartoonishly. He's, uh, yeah, he's dressed up and he's wearing. He's, uh, he's he has a big he, cigar. And, his, and, his, and everybody, like every third person in this movie, has like a terrible uh, Polish name, and they all and they all sort of play that stage. Yeah. They all play that up. Pretty I mean, heavily. look, I, I mean, there's I can go on the list, and I will of, of yeah, oh, we will. I have, yeah, yeah. but it's like um, uh, there are elements. Well, let me go on because but, uh, I, I want to talk about what well, I like. Let me, let me back ahead, up something please. up really quick there because one of the things, again, this is a morality tale by Preminger and company. So they leave off all the context on this thing from the book. In the book, basically, you it, read the book, I imagine. No, I didn't, but I but I did some. I read some reviews of it. I mm-hmm. wanted to sort of get my head around it, and I'd like to read the book, sure. Uh, but apparently, uh, th- th- they make a brief mention of how he uh, Frank Sinatra's me- uh, character had been in the army at one point during the during the great WW two. Yeah. Well, they forget to mention that that's where he picked up the 
habit of morphine. Like that was part of the book. That was part of the important thing. So there's no context as to why he gets it, except at some point he goes, I like the rush. No, that wasn't, but that wasn't fucking it at all. Contextually, even that, that doesn't, not not to undercut your point, but that doesn't even matter in terms of lost context. There's a lost immediate context. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I understand that an addict clean will be tempted, but in this film, the turn he does, there's nothing for you to hang your hat on in terms Mm -hmm. of why he's a little nervous about a situation. Right. I mean, that's, that doesn't seem real to me either. Yeah, there's a lot of things about this movie. Like his, uh, I mean, just his. Uh, like, okay, let's bring in his wife real quick. Okay, one of the uh, one of the one of the terrible pressuring elements of the whole situation is uh, Frank Sinatra is married. He's married to a a woman. Uh, he had been in a drunk driving accident uh, about what three three years previously or something like that, uh-huh. and she has never learned to walk again. Except we come to find out very quickly, she does know how to walk. She's just pretending to be. She's in a wheelchair all the time, yeah. pretending not to be able to walk so that she can manipulate the shit out of her husband who was a junkie all the time like who was who was in rehab for god's sakes for the last six months or something that's eleanor parker from um <clears throat> the movie caged do you remember we did that movie yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah she's yeah. The, the lead mm-hmm. in cage um actually i found her her character one of the the most the only kind of redeeming re- qualities somewhat redeeming yeah absolutely and then alongside because of her, she's got the Rosalind russell um don't leave me howard don't leave me howard attitude that's that's that we all very... want to see in our women folk right <laughs> It's very uncomfortable in this film, and, and yeah, it really is. Yeah, well, the, 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 I, she's like the bleeding edge of the movie as far as it goes. She's really it, like she's she's the only thing. She's really one of the few things you can hang your hat on. I mean, you can try to hang your hat on her counterpart, the weirdly angelic uh, Kim Novak. Yeah, I mean, Kim thing. Novak is in more than one way, but but she yeah. functions well as a prop in a yeah. way because she's well, a beautiful woman who, who's the object of his desire, and he's stuck with this woman who he feels guilty about having abandoned and, and crippled nothing, yet. There's nothing pleasant about her as a wife at who? all. Like the, the Roz, the, the wife character. Well, there, but, but there's something sympathetic. Yeah. I, I feel, I, I feel sympathy for her even if I don't like her. Right. Um, and Kim Novak's character is, you know, she is so lovely, mm-hmm. you know, oh, um, I mean, in a way, you know, in, in picnic, she wasn't particularly great in picnic, nope. except that she served to make it understandable. She, yeah. Why she has William a, she Holden has, would, would yeah. do what he does. She has a she has that glowy quality that that yeah she's a, she's not I don't think Kim Novak was ever a tremendous actress by any stretch of the imagination but she always had that heart yeah. that star quality and being able to command the camera whenever she's on it yeah yeah absolutely and and so um, that to me well I also want to talk about you alluded to him um, Arnold Stang. Who's his um, sort of little sidekick? <laughs> okay, got <laughs> The mandatory uh, c- com- comedy thing in any crime movie of that time period. Yeah, he was. I looked this up. He was the inspiration for Rizzo Razzo on uh, Midnight Cowboy. I totally can see that. Yes. Okay, and that's fucking interesting to know. He was Top Cat. <gasps> Top Cat? Yeah. The irrefutable leader of the game. <laughs> that's right. Oh my God! My that's, that's, that's a, for him went way up. When that's I a terrible Hanna Barbera cartoon. From I, the, I have no it. idea what decade it came out, but I loved it when I, I was loved a that. Snaggled it. Exit yeah. the stage left. <laughs> Heavens to Megatron. Heavens to Megatron. So uh, I'm going to say this. I'm going to okay. say Eleanor Parker. Uh, um, good. 
Um, Kim Novak, competent. And I'm actually going to give it over to Francis Albert Sinatra. for. <laughs> I think he did a good job. He did. I think he's, he went, the, he's the film. He went to rehab facilities to no. watch junkies actually kicking it so he could try to do, a, like, you know. Yeah. yeah like, he, he actually went and did, like, you know, the uh, the background on that kind of thing. Ooh. It's interesting. It's a famous story, you know. He's such a cock, that Sinatra. <laughs> I mean, really, we really should do a second episode just talking about that. But uh, among his the cock numerous being that too, but the numerous dickhead moves he made. Um, well, you know the one about before I tell the, like the sending the waiter to break up with a woman or something. He's done that. <laughs> um, the one where he he was in um, Rome with uh, his wife and Don Rickles and his wife, uh-huh. and it was Easter Sunday. And um, Sinatra said, we're going to mass tomorrow. And, and Doc goes, well, I'm not, uh, Frank, I'm not, uh, he goes, we're going to mass tomorrow. And I go, okay, Frank. And the next day, um, Don Rickles dons his, his perfect Catholic outfit and, and arrives. And it's, you know, it's his, it's his wife and Sinatra's wife. He goes, where's Frank? And he goes, hey, sleeping in. <laughs> <laughs> which is second only to my favorite story of all time, oh, which is the Don Rickles guy. Yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Tell, oh, well, no, it's, uh, he's uh, trying to impress this young lady. So he asked Frank to swing by the table later on while they're having dinner and say hello. And, uh, and uh, he does. And so they're in the middle of dinner and Frank Sinatra approaches and not just dismisses him. Ah, th- thanks, Frank. We'll get back to this later on. Yeah, I mean, but the reason uh, I started telling those beautiful. Frank Sinatra uh, yeah. stories was um, the one where um, Sammy had a bit of a coke habit in the early 70s, and it got back to, to Frank, and Frank was wouldn't talk to him for a year, uh-huh. and was just incensed. I mean, that's classic, first of all, Sinatra behavior, like, I'm going to unfriend you in real life because you're using cocaine. Get me a cutty shark. But he finally conv- he, he finally made contact with Sammy and took him out and gave him the... The once over and God damn it, Sammy, you know, if I ever hear you're doing coke again, I'm going to, uh, that's it. And Sammy thought, thank you, Frank. I'm off. I'm off. And then they spent a week drunk because <laughs> that's, that's Sinatra's, you know, I want to say somebody was telling me this story that basically Sinatra had a lot to do with Jack Daniel's prominence in American culture. I did not mm. know that. Yeah. I don't know. Like he, yeah, he kind of helped popularize it. Anyway, but it's I mean, it's, it's an interesting film. It, it could have been a lot more. I mean, from Dead End all the way up to The Hustler, I think it's so it, it's in between those two territories. It yeah. just never quite makes it to me. Yeah, it's I, it, I like the movie. I enjoy the movie. I really like watching Frank Sinatra just chew the fuck out of that scenery in such a good way. Yeah, but it's, it's in not a, good a great way. movie. I would recommend it, but I would recommend it as more like a lesson. I don't know how else to put. Because I'm one of those. I'm one of the few people who I don't really like Sinatra performance and from here to attorney oh, yeah. i never really liked it um mm-hmm. and this to me um absolves him of that i think he's he's trying to, he's doing his own thing it might be the first time yeah well, he did suddenly the year before i guess but but you know where, where he's he's really trying to take on a film on his own yeah. and act and, and, and really and carry it too and he does yeah. and he does and i, I and, give it a, and the, i would say the fault I, I would squarely put the faults of the movie based on uh, i would i would squarely place those on premature shoulders at this point yeah, I don't know. It, 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 it was it was kind of clumsy. I think it was also like I said. I really think it was sort of the censorship board's pressure also made some of those some of those choices necessary. But overall, I mean, it was some crazy choices. And Premature rewrote the whole goddamn. Script. Might also just be the culture. You know, by the time uh, 1971 comes around, you ever seen um, Pacino's Panic in Needle Park? 
I have not. That's a depressingly, <laughs> I'm assuming, accurate portrayal of heroin addiction in, in New York City. And uh-huh. it's like, you know, all it took was like 15 or 16 years and, you know, <laughs> Vietnam and a bunch of horrible things to happen to the culture for us to get a little real about drug addiction right. in a movie. Because I can't think yeah. of anything as of 1955, classically, of course, as a reefer madness in the 30s, but yeah. I can't think of they, anything. They not only got it wrong, got it opposite, which is amazing. It became a great film to get high smoker. to. What are you talking about? <laughs> but but it's like yeah. So what is it? Uh, is there and then any, we get to Requiem for a Dream later. But that's another story. Is there yeah? Is there any film by the 1950s that has made any sort of headway in terms of? I mean, they've done if alcoholism. Is, not, I would say not an English one. Well, even even the alcoholism ones. So those are pretty cartoony as well. I mean, I like come them, back, little Sheba, baby. That's okay, Siri. All right. Don't All right. Worry. Go away, little Siri. Go away, little Siri. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, a couple okay. of old guys getting fucked by technology. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay, good. Do you want to talk about the next one? Uh, let's move on. We're going to travel forward this, a whole two years. I don't know if we can... I don't know... There's no, I don't know what the hell to say about this movie. Oh, but, I do. Okay, let's go. I have lots to say. Right, I'm going to start this way. All right. 1957s? Yeah. The Joker's Wild. Yee. I thought when I first saw the description... Here maybe is Joey Bishop. <laughs> worse. I did. I totally thought it was Joey Way Bishop worse. at first. This was, yeah. I thought he was doing um, a biopic of Joey Brown. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought, how is Sinatra going to pull off <laughs> Joey Brown? <laughs> that's okay. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. Uh, that seemed ridiculous to me. Oh, now, Joey it's Le- actually the biography of Joey Lewis. Who I didn't really know. No. So I didn't, how, how would you? He really wasn't film, much. In the, yeah, that's it. That really is it. I mean. Yeah. I, his story is super interesting in like one chapter, and then after that, it kind of, I, and the movie sort of follows that thing. Like he had a super like the, like his kind of origin story as a as a com, as a comedian person yeah. uh, is the is truly the interesting part of this movie. Did you just what, call what him a comedian that? person? Aren't you a stand up comic? Well, I, we're going to talk about that's that. A few, that's one of the things I have to say. We will talk about. Well, that That is in a something minute. I wanted to talk to you about because it's like this and Punchline. This is my two uh, films like, <laughs> I want to talk to you about in terms of the accuracy of the stand up world because Tom, of course, as you all know, is a stand up comic. Stand up, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he plays. Um, Joe Lewis, um, Joe E. Lewis. I guess that's important. Not Joey, but Joe E. Lewis. Uh-huh. I don't know why that was important for me. But yeah, yeah. But, and um, he was originally a singer. So Sinatra plays himself essentially in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sort of um, a little more know. sort of jokey, wonky sort a of a little thing. bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, he's an asshole. So he's playing himself, yeah. and he um, basically this is a true story. Apparently, um, that in Chicago, um, Joe Lewis, Joey Lewis um, was going to move from one club to another, and uh, Al Capone's like lieutenant or something didn't want him to. But which, by the way, I find difficult to believe that during the prohibition. Like they were that concerned about their entertainment. Well, okay, so okay, a little bit of background because I did a little bit of reading on this too. Uh, the they changed the name of the club he moved from and to. Interestingly, the the club he moved from was owned by Al Capone as a minor partner, but Machine Gun Jack McGurn was the name of the guy who actually owned it, and that was one of Capone's lieutenants. Now, that was called the Green Mill, which you've heard of if you know anything about poetry slams it's it's the place in chicago where supposedly it was invented blah blah it's a really cool uh speakeasy it's still open they have a they they keep a little shrine to al capone there because i guess why the fuck not uh but in any event um no like he got a raise and wanted to move to another thing apparently capone was not was not happy with this attack on Joey, no, Lewis. no, yeah, he really so fucking he was ten grand or something, ten grand or something like that to help him recover. Yeah, but the attack was pretty severe. So, so cut his, uh, they, they mangled his 
vocal cords with a knife. Mangling on up with a knife. Mm. Well, he so he has this friend um, who's a piano player, um, a noted sort of local piano player who accompanies him in his musical act played by um, Eddie Albert. Eddie Albert. Um, who I've never seen in anything besides Green Acres. Uh, <laughs> right? Green Acres, right? I, I don't know enough about Green Acres. I've seen like one episode of Green Acres in my life. Um, I was shocked to find out this thing existed and never heard of it. Okay, so but he um, he, he warns Sinatra's character or Joey Lewis against against switching over. Joey Lewis is sort of like a, a carefree attitude about it, and switches over and does a lot of lying about it, and and yeah, gets his vocal cords uh, sliced yeah, yeah. by Capone's men. Right. So that's the end of him. Or, or is, is it? it? Right. Exactly. Because what he has a second life, a second act in his life, and right. it's as a comic. But that's where I'm also like, I don't. If this film is accurate at all, I'm not sure what gave him or anyone else the idea that he was comic material. He does like the like the first thirty seconds of Dean Martin's act, like yeah, it's post time. Here's a drink, and everything Basically. else was very very cringy stand up. I mean, oh, yeah. just terrible. Yeah, absolutely, I'm watching this thing going like, you know, this is well, okay. So there's a there's a part that's a little torn on that. Because yeah. there's a part of you that's going like, ah, fuck you, all those comics in the 50s who changed the game uh, in the 60s. Um, because, God, was that how easy it used to be? Somebody would just write, like, barely funny material and you'd be able to tell it anywhere? And the answer is, yeah, that's kind of what it was. That's kind of what it used to be like. like. I think that was, I watched it, you watched it, and I didn't laugh I laughed. I did laugh a couple of times at the fact that somebody wrote that as a joke, like not at the joke itself. Right. Watching this thing going, like, really, people like were uproariously laughing at the shit. And from what I've seen and what I've heard of old comedy albums, yeah, kind of, I guess. And here's the other thing: so that's just not a funny man. Line. No, he's, he's not. just not. And he has so zero comic bad. timing. He's, his comic timing is right up there with Tom Hanks from Punchline, as you pointed out. Like. Damn near yeah, non-existent. It, it's it's really embarrassing. I mean, there are things I liked about the film. The drama aspect of it, I liked. I mean, mm. it, it 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 walked him through a couple of marriages, or one near marriage and a marriage, and it, it sort of hit on some issues that are common to relationships right. and and interesting. And his his you know, Eddie Albert in terms of how far he can be pushed as a friend and what loyalty means and. It's almost and like the, the almost unbelievably the how much of a friend Eddie Albert turned out to be in this movie. The incidentals were more interesting than the main aspect of the film. Yeah, right. Which is basically a singer uh, loses his voice, uh, yeah. becomes a comic, yeah. gets super famous, mm-hmm. and then also develops a drinking habit. And then one night just stops. But up, game. I don't even, to be honest with you, Tom, I just saw this movie. I don't even remember precisely how it ends. Does he just stop? No, he literally is, he's walking along an abandoned street. Yeah. It's, it's such, this is again, the ham has, it's some really ham handed directing. Like, he's walking in a, down an abandoned street back in Chicago where it all started, yeah. and he's passing by a building that says condemned and closed. And as he's walking, he passes by mirrors, windows, mm-hmm. and he sees various people in his life from yeah. parts of his life, and I they're, they're all giving him advice. The last one is him talking to himself, yeah. telling him, you might want to lay off the booze, pal. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to give that a try. And that's the end. And he walks on yeah. and the end of the movie ends. You're like, ah, just, I guess you had to end it at some point. There's nothing to feel. It, it, there's nothing interesting about the film except to sort of feel sorry for the people he's come in contact with. But it's, not, <laughs> it's not because he's particularly interesting. Yeah, no, he's it, I mean, he's not even brutal enough to be interesting. I just mean to like they represent 
people who have been harmed by people. And so I guess you yeah, can sympathize yeah. with them in some way. It's I one of those know. things I'm watching this thing because like the guy himself didn't die till 1971. This thing got made in 57, which yeah. means somebody wrote a bio, like a biography of this guy in his fucking lifetime. And they made a movie out of it that he could go and watch. And really, as I said, there's one interesting thing that happened in his life, as far as I can tell. And that's like the first 30 minutes of the movie tops. No, not even 30 minutes of it, mm-hmm. but it's a two hour movie. So, I don't know. They got a couple of really nice, you know, song and dance. They got some really nice songs going on in there. And it's, uh, I guess, the, the, what I was reading in Wikipedia, they were calling it a musical. I what know, I was so. reading in Wikipedia. That's right. Can you tell the, the, the font of all knowledge, my friend. Um, I forgot to mention a, a Hole in the Head. That's another one from 59. Mm-hmm. A Hole in the Head is a, is a similar story. Sinatra tried to do this story a lot. And uh-huh. I don't mean specifically about like a singer or actor, but like the, the, the loser, the guy who's, you know, always trying to sort of like you know, Rob from Peter to pay Paul to make things work. Right. Well, um, looking like Frank, Frank Sinatra, I guess. And so it's uh, that, that one's with he and Edward G Robinson. And it, it, that one's even more interesting, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I thought this was a swing and a miss, man. Yeah. I, this is not an, I, I was, I remember, uh, watching it going, why did I pick this movie? I'm not altogether sure. I know, uh, you I know, know actually, actually, I, actually, I do it. know why I do know exactly yeah, why. Now that Tom I'm thinking of could watch his movies on his phone and it, these were free. They're free. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that was exactly. It. Yeah, 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 you yeah, bastard. You cheap bastard. bastard. Invest a little bit, Tommy. Invest <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> what? Apparently, I can't pay taxes. Yeah, good point. Fucker. Nice right. thing to put out there. All right, buddy. Um, do you have right. anything to plug? Um, no, come check me out. TomSmithComedy.com. Be doing a show. Actually, I'll be doing a show in Sacramento. Been doing a show. On the 21st. That's of? A, that's a, of November? Uh, November 2019. Mm, okay. Yep. Mere week, a weekish away, almost. Okay. A little over. Um, okay, great. Um, rate you? Reviews, what do you got to plug? I got nothing. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, send us a little email. Check us out on the Patreon if you like. Finley's on film at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check us out on the Patreon. We have uh, lots of secret episodes available. Yep. That's it for me, Tommy. Uh, uh, have a great one, sir. <laughs>